Absolute mess. Like it was an animal house party in here before we got in here. Yeah, it looks like a storm rolled th- through here. It's really in a different state every time we come in. Like, I never know what to expect. None of the equipment is ever in the same place. None of the technology is ever working in the same way. It's actually a new adventure every time we get in here. That's why we have to book the studio for like two hours as opposed to just like the hour that we record because once I get in, it's like 40 minutes. <laughs> Still like a half hour cleaning up. <laughs> Yo, but we're back though. We're yes. back on the same coast in we the same are. room. Feels good. Let's do it. (laughs) (laughs) This feels right, you know. This is like where we belong. True. Also, you brought some warm weather back with you. Yeah. 50-something degrees in New York. Yeah, it's weird. Hashtag rare. Super rare. I'm into it. What's up? Are you happy to be back in New York? I am happy to be back in New York. It was was time. Are you, uh, you should give a press conference like Alex Rodriguez when he came back from his (laughs) suspension. I'm happy to be back. Yeah. I'm taking my talents to the basement of WNYU. <laughs> so, still, as you know, not much has happened. No. A little, some stuff has happened. Yes. A couple of small things. Well, one kind of big thing happened, like, mid-recording last time, and we didn't have time to assess it. Yeah. But we're going to get to that in a minute. But before we do, I want to talk to you about potentially my favorite player in the game today, Curtis Granderson. Yes. But we're actually going to talk to you about my real favorite player in the game later. That's Tim Tebow. <laughs> Those of you who know us know that we will get to that. Yeah, but it's, it's be- back. It's back. <laughs> if you were waiting for that. But before we do that, I want to talk quickly about Curtis Granderson signing a one-year deal with the Jays. I love this. I love that he's landing on a team that I don't hate, and I love that. <laughs> <laughs> I love that he's not playing for like the Phillies or something, or the Nationals. I am sad that he's not a Met anymore, but. The one thing I will say, though, is that at least when he was on the Dodgers, I was like, yo, he might get his ring. Yeah. Not happening with the Jays <laughs> this so year. Sad. It's really not. <laughs> Clock's ticking, man. He doesn't have a lot of time left in him. I want the Astros to sign him uh, 20, uh, I guess, after next year, after this year. Ooh. Um, Astros, Astros sign him just to be that like veteran presence in the clubhouse. But it's mostly just like, we we know you, you want this ring. You got to get this ring. How many people have we said are going to be the Astros veteran presence? We've said that about like ten people. Yeah. So it was Carlos Beltran. It he was. was the actual veteran presence. We've we said it about. Didn't we say that about Adrian Gonzalez? Yeah, we did say that. And we said it about uh, Miggy. Was the <laughs> other one we said it about? They should trade for him. We said it one time last episode too. This is pretty much the only value these people bring at this point. <laughs> so these guys are like Miggy's. What like thirty three, thirty four? Like that's like, it. I feel like Miggy would be good. Yeah. As a DH for the Astros. Yeah. I don't know if they want to take that payroll on, but... Astros got bills, man. Yeah, they do. They just got, as Jesse Pinkman would say, fat stacks, yo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, There's just going to be so many Breaking Bad references from me now, from now on, because I'm re-watching the show, so Damn. prepare yourself for that. So cultured. Uh, Curtis Granderson to the Blue Jays. Yeah, I dig it, too. That'll be fun. How much money is he making? Uh, Five million. Oh, that's not bad. That's not bad. Good he, for was, him. he was like a two-win player last year. He was not bad. Like, yeah. he hit... 212 or something like that. Yeah, which is not bad. great. But he can still get on base. He's still got a little pop in that bat. Yeah, he his OBP was okay. 
and he hit a lot of home runs. Like most of his hits were home runs, I think. Yeah. In a non Joey Gallo way. Yeah, pretty just much. Like line drive, just over the fence, home runs. <laughs> um, I don't know how that profiles in Toronto, but I guess we'll see. That's a nice uniform for him to put on. Yeah. I always talk about how I love Toronto's uniforms. They don't get enough love. Yeah, it's nice. I like how there were like pretty much 27 teams that you were okay with him going to. Um, if it's those 27 teams, you're like, I love it. Love this deal. Great deal. If it's like <laughs> if it's like the other two teams, you're like, worst deal. What is he doing with his career? <laughs> That's not true. I would have hated it if he went to the Yankees but again. Because then they would have just sat him behind... Freaking their super outfield, yeah. And then if John Carlos Stanton got hurt, he would come in and he maybe he would hit 212, and maybe the Yankees fans would be terrible and racist to him. Yeah, it's possible, it's definitely it's more than possible. It probably <laughs> happened when he was on the Yankees. Okay, let's move on. It's enough about a one year, five million dollar player who's going to be worth less than two more. <laughs> the real big move of this offseason so far, at least since the Stanton and Otani stuff has been the trade of Andrew McCutcheon from the Pirates to the Giants. We had a brief bit about this last week, but we just figured we'd put it off because we didn't know the details of it yet. And um, it's tough to analyze things in the moment. <laughs> you just it, know <laughs> the one player who's involved in the deal going somewhere, <laughs> and you're like, well, this sounds like a trade to me. As we saw when I said, quick five-second reaction, and you said, uh, mm, uh, for five <laughs> seconds, I said, all right, it's over. <laughs> we could never be like on TV analysts. Nope. No, you put us up there. It's like, all right, uh, throw it over to you, Alex, for 30 seconds. And I'm just like, the way that the bat, he, he used the to play for the hands, Pirates. He swings it, and it's sometimes it's good. The balls go out. <laughs> and he's going to do that again more. He used to be recognized for his hair, and then he shaved off his hair, and then he was still a good baseball player. Yep. That's, that's it. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Back to you, Dave. <laughs> yeah. Now that you've had like a week to think about it. Do you have a better five-second reaction? Revisionist history, this five-second reaction. <laughs> um, not really, honestly. I, I like it for the Giants, honestly. He's not going to play center field for them, but like they needed an outfielder. And Andrew McCutcheon's still like really good. He had that bad year in 2016, and then he bounced right back and was like a four-win player last year. So I like it for the Giants. The Giants are like s- sneaking in. I mean, they're going to be... I don't know. If they play their cards right, they could very well end up being the fourth best team in the uh, NL West this year, which um, I guess you could do worse. You could be in fifth place. Yeah. So McCutcheon had, as was well chronicled, like one of the biggest drop-offs in war for like an elite player ever in from 2015 to 2016. Um, so by fan graphs, he was at 5.6 and dropped down to 0.6, which is like... That's like a, it's a pretty big drop off. Yeah, it's not, that's like that's my, not great when you've averaged like seven ish over the last three or four years. Yeah, that's like what Conforto had like around five point something WAR last year. So that's like dropping from Michael Conforto down to like Brandon Nimmo, yeah, <laughs> who apparently is a cornerstone of the Mets organization. Yeah, pretty much. Um, but he bounced back in 2017 and had a 3.7 WAR year, which is you know by his standards for his career not his best year but still you would take that over the non-existent giants outfield um and i think steamer is projecting him this year to be somewhere in the two to three win range so yes i feel like it's a good move because they didn't give up a ton because he was in his he's in his walk year and the pirates always sell 30 year old players for whatever 60 cents on the 
dollar. Yeah, Pirates fans, if you're sad, um, us A's fans hold a support group every Monday evening. If you want to just come talk it out. <laughs> I know it hurts. It's going to get better. <laughs> um, that'd be a good conversation to have which organization, the A's or the Pirates, has sold off more elite <laughs> players who are about to turn 30. I don't really want to know the answer. Or, or in their mid to late 20s. <laughs> That's just going to hurt me more. The big ones, yeah. I don't know. Off the top of my head, I would say the Pirates, just because, like five or six years ago, maybe more, there was like that every single member, or it was like you could form an All Star team of guys who made the All Star game at every single position who used to be on the Pirates, which is like, damn, that sucks. Yeah. The A's have sold some big ones like Josh Donaldson. Yeah, but we had the article that we read earlier this year, right? About like the there are like ten A's in the All Star game, and they're all playing for different teams. No, it wasn't ten; it was something like twenty, ridiculous or something like that. Yeah, sad, <laughs> super sad. But anyway, I yeah, I like the trade. I guess from the Giants' perspective, I I think it's worth considering looking at it from like the Pirates' perspective and also the like the perspective of a Pirates fan, which neither of us are, but, like, this hurts so much. He's the face of the franchise, right? And, I mean, you know, as an A's fan, I kind of know what this sort of thing feels like, but it's never really something you get used to, right? Like, the the guy who is supposed to lead you to that championship, finally, he was, like, your, your knight in shining armor, right? That was going to take you to the finish line. And so to see him leave in his, what, age 31 season or something like that? Yeah. Uh, that just hurts. It hurts a lot. And I sympathize with Pirates fans because it can sometimes feel like ownership or the GM or whoever does not really have the fans' best interest in mind. And a lot of the time they don't, right? It's most like, of the time it's like most, yeah. most of the time it's like all about the dollar-dollar bills, right? <laughs> Y'all. <laughs> that was the whitest <laughs> thing that you've ever said on this podcast. <laughs> but... So I I sympathize. I extend my uh, my sorrows and my um, my hopes to Pirates fans that you'll get over this because it it hurts now, but it, it gets better. It really does. What if he goes to the Giants for a year? They're probably what going to compete for a wild card. It's going to be Mets Giants. It's just going to be 2016 over again. It's just going to be sad for everyone involved. Yeah. And he plays out the rest of his contract and then just resigns with the Pirates. Yeah, I mean that's that's fun. That's fine with me. But that's like a little weird though. It's kinda of like awkward. He's like back after a year. <laughs> yeah, it's like you <laughs> It's like not the same, man. It's like that contract has been breached, yeah. right? It's like breaking the seal that's when you're out at night. It's like I <laughs> It's like dating a different person for a year and then coming back to like you're back. It's like not the same. There's like some weird energy between you guys. Yeah, there's like some and bridge like... that you just can't quite get across. Yeah. yeah. That's fair. Although I think they would get over it. Yeah, I would too. <laughs> I would take Josh Donaldson back right now in oh. a heartbeat. Yeah, that's an entirely <laughs> different thing. I don't know. The, so the Giants now are really one outfielder away from having a complete outfield. They went from having Hunter Pence and a bunch of randos and like putting Brandon Belt out there from time to time to now having Hunter Pence, Andrew McCutcheon, if everyone stays healthy. And then is there someone else that they can sign who maybe bolsters that last outfield spot up? I feel like I've heard people talking about Gerard Dyson, maybe. Sounds good to me. <laughs> but, like, I th- I don't really know. Like, they're not going to sign anyone, I don't think. I mean, if they did, it would be someone for a, v- a very small amount of money, right? Like, they're not going after Lorenzo Cain or anything like that. Like, they still technically need a center fielder, but I think they have guys kind of coming up who they're going to throw into that position and just let them figure it out. So, 
my guess is they're probably unless they make like a trade or something like that, or yeah. or sign like another trade, like a bench guy or something like that. They're probably what um what former face of a franchise could they trade for now that they've traded for two? <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. So they need a center fielder. Uh, I don't know. You think they could get Mike Trout? Oh, do I think they could get Mike Trout? Yeah, yeah sure. You could trade ballparks. <laughs> like we'll let you play in AT&T but we get to keep Mike Trout that's literally all they can offer pretty much what, what do you think they'd have to give up to get Mike Trout obviously like Bumgarner Buster Posey yeah what else I don't know man like would they would you do that trade if you're the Angels Bumgarner and Buster Posey for Mike Trout at this point in time would you trade Mike Trout for anything if you're the Angels no because I wouldn't maybe the park <laughs> <laughs> the park, <laughs> the park, and just leave behind Bumgarner and Buster Posey. Look, we can't trade you any players, but you'll never have to play in Anaheim anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you'll have real fans. Yeah, sad. That was a joke for any real Angels fans who actually listen. Y'all, are, y'all are real. Y'all are legit. <laughs> it was just a joke about Anaheim. I'm sorry. <laughs> I can make that joke about Anaheim because my family grew up like not far from there, so it's fine. <laughs> um. Okay. Anyway. Yeah, I don't know. Former faces of a franchise they could trade for. Who's a center fielder? Who's a face of a franchise now? But like, it has they to already be got like, McCutcheon. It's it got to be like past prime face of franchise, right? Like they can't trade for like a center, uh, like a twenty-seven-year-old or something like that. He's got to be like 32, 33. Yeah, but if they're past their prime, then they probably can't play center. Right, but if we if we're just following through on the Giants' logic, like they don't, they genuinely don't have any anyone to give up to trade for like a prime center fielder. <laughs> Yeah, that doesn't exist. Those no. trades don't exist. No. Yeah, I don't know. I would like flipping through the teams in my head. Uh, Adam Jones. Oh, uh, yeah. Except he is actually literally the worst defensive center fielder <laughs> in baseball. So Matt Kemp. I don't know how well that were. Matt Kemp. Yeah, there you go. Who definitely can't play center field. <laughs> he could barely play left field. <laughs> yeah, he shouldn't be in the field. No. At all. All right, let's move on. Yeah. All right, so another thing we wanted to talk about was an offseason article by Sam Miller who... I sympathize for because he's basically just like, I can't write anything real about baseball right now, so I'm actually just going to make up 80% of an article and it's going to be great. He's also maybe, no offense to a lot of the ESPN writers, but he's, I think, the only one who consistently comes up with like interesting ideas because it's like ESPN. So it's a lot of like, you Darvish still has seven landing places. Where is he going to go? Also, yeah, ESPN just doesn't care about baseball. And Sam Miller's like... What if this weird thing that has literally never happened before just happened? How would we react? <laughs> um, so, yeah, the article is titled, What Would Happen If a Baseball Game Went 50 Innings? First of all, what an idea. Yeah. Like, that's just, it's weirdly sadistic to even think about that. It is. And uh, he gets into that, uh, like, deep in the article, just about, like, the different endurance, different endurance tests. Yeah, like, at what point in the game are we just torturing these people? Like, have we crossed the line and it's, like, no longer enjoyable? You're just kind of, like, in sorrow for I them. would argue that, like, 20... You would cross that line at, like, 27 innings. Uh, yeah. At what point would you start feeling bad? I would feel bad at, like, 18. And at 27, I'd be like, we should just stop this game. Yeah, probably. I think it's also... It depends on maybe how long the game has been going for, you know? If you got to 27 innings relatively quickly, relatively speaking, it's like, all right. But once Once you have them out there for, like... I don't know, 12 hours or something like that. It's like, okay, all right, we need to let these guys wrap it up. Do you think a game like this, do you think people would start playing faster? I mean, like, probably a little bit, and there'd be, like, 
would this game continue to be televised? There's, I have so yeah. many questions. I have so many questions. Do you because think Nomar would still get out there and like adjust his batting gloves for 20 seconds? I think he and would the pitcher, have to. the pitcher's like still taking like a nap on the mound. It's like, I don't think that you can just like change. Yeah. You know, like I think these are routines that they've ingrained in themselves, and like it's very hard to change like not over an off season. Like if I was stepping up to shoot a free throw in a 30 overtime basketball game, like back when I still played competitively, I would not just like chuck it at the rim. I would still go through my whole free throw routine. And I don't know if it's different for MLB players. Like you at at some point you're like getting up there and just like chucking it as the pitcher, you might like hurt yourself. Yeah. Not to mention the fact that you've been playing for 12 hours or however long. Yeah, well, that's the thing is like that he mentions is there's a huge injury risk to this sort of thing, right? Because at a certain point, you're like, you've run through all your normal pitchers and like you're dipping into the position players and you've pitched some of your position players. So now you're throwing the guy who started two days ago. Oh, yeah. And it's like, I don't know, man. It just at a certain point, it like just doesn't become baseball anymore. Like what we were playing has ascended to like a different plane entirely. I like that you pointed that out, the the starting pitcher who pitched like two days ago, because he mentions the guy who Jeff and Ben discovered on Effectively Wild, who threw with the wrong hand yeah. and was terrible, <laughs> who they then discovered was doing that because he had pitched two days earlier and didn't want to hurt himself. But what would your strategy be as a manager in this situation? I would just forfeit, not actually like legitimately you know, walk out there and say, like, wave a white flag or anything like that. But I would just put, like, some terrible position player in, and I would just say, like, BP straight over the middle. We're losing this game. This is not worth it. Like, this is, like, the most extreme opposite of, like, San Antonio Spurs. We're going to rest everyone during the regular season and not care about it that you could possibly get. So, like, what if you all agree that this is only worth one out of 162 games, which you maybe don't agree because he says somewhere in there that, in the game that he's actually referring to, he's talking about a Red Sox and what is it, Rays or Red Sox uh, and Blue Jays? Red Sox, Blue Jays. Yeah, in, so- yeah, in like mid September. Exactly. So it's like that went like nineteen innings, but there's like real stakes attached to it. And I think it was it was John Farrell who was quoted after the game, who was like, "When you lose a game like that, it feels like you lost two games." Yeah. So does that like does that continue out when you lose a twenty seven inning game? <laughs> does it feel like you lost three games and so on and so on? So obviously, mathematically speaking, no. But to the players to have to come in the next day at like noon, I feel like it would feel like that. So what would your strategy be? I don't even know. Like you do want to win the game. I do think that there is like a certain point where it's just like, all right, y'all, that's it. We're done. Like, wouldn't you wave the white flag at a certain point? Like as a manager, I would feel some obligation to be like, my players are going to get injured doing this. Someone is going to like pass out from fatigue or whatever. Like it places a lot of these players in a very immediate situation of like health risks. So as a manager, I'd feel somewhat compelled to be like, we need to find a way to end this as quick as possible. I love how the article ends too where he talks about this gentleman's agreement where it's like okay we're each going to put a runner on uh second base basically we'll walk him let him steal um second unopposed or whatever and then you know it's like basically starting that idea that it's been doing the world baseball classic yeah and it's been raised in the minors before too and then obviously someone takes advantage of it and throws the guy out when he tries to go to second which is I would do that. Are you kidding me? To end a 50-inning baseball game, I would absolutely go back on my agreement. Yeah. Yeah, there's no... <laughs> this is like... There's there no gentlemen's no... agreements. This is a straight-up war. No, this is, there are no agreements in this one. We've been playing for 14 hours, and I want to go home. Yep. At that same token, though, wouldn't you just forfeit if you really just wanted to go home that bad? I feel like I would just... I would take the L, dude. 
I mean, maybe I would feel differently in the moment because I'm super competitive and I hate losing and to lose like that would be terrible. But before I even let the game go 50 innings, like he talks about, he theorizes what if Mookie Betts went over or or Jackie Bradley Jr. What if Jackie Bradley Jr. went over 31? <laughs> Your career is over. If you go over 31 in one night, first of all, your batting average just dropped like 100 points. <laughs> and you start questioning if you're ever going to get a hit ever again. And once you go like 0 for 10, you're not getting a hit after that because you start like, you get like bleary eyed. You can't even see the pitch coming in. The advantage skews pitcher after a while because like batters, just the lights in the sky are like blinding them after you've been awake playing baseball for 14 straight hours. I mean, it could have serious mental effects on you for like years after. And he brings up in the article, like the people who do the other endurance test, like the uh, hand on a truck or something like that. And whoever comes off first wins, or whoever comes off last wins the truck. Or there was one where like they had to ride a roller coaster for as long as possible. And one woman did it for like nine months or something (laughs) like that. And she just like was never the same afterwards. Like, of course not. You can't do anything for nine months straight. Nothing. I would say that even if you were just laying in bed, watching Netflix, a different show every day, you could not do it for nine months without going crazy. So riding a roller coaster, playing a baseball game, that's insane. The the real question is, as a fan, would you stick around to see the whole thing? Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yes. same. That's what I was thinking about the whole time, is that like those people who, like he mentions that, that there's like 70 people left or something like that by the end who just want to stay there to see history. And like some people have to leave the next morning because they have to go to work. And I'm like, nope, I'm calling in sick. Oh, yeah. No, if you and I are both at that game, we're doing, like, an impromptu tipping pitches at, like, 6 in the morning. (laughs) We're like, we're here. It's been going on for 13 hours. We're not really sure where we are right now, and the world is spinning, but they're still playing baseball. I don't know why. How would we, like, are we just going to bring recording equipment to every baseball game for the rest of eternity in case it goes 50 innings? Are we just going to do it on our phones? Yeah, why not? (laughs) Just, like, holding, like, I'm doing an interview of you, just holding a phone (laughs) into your face. Yeah, we could probably get in the dugout at that point. We'd just be like, we're supposed to be down there. And the security guard's like, okay. Oh, there's no rules at that point. No. There's absolutely no rules at that point. We do whatever we want. Yeah. We could go on the field. They would ask (laughs) us to honestly pitch. Yeah. (laughs) Put a jersey on, dude. (laughs) All right. Well, yeah, we just thought that would be an interesting thing to bring up. And we'll link to it. You should all um, go read it because Sam Miller is funny and dark. Yeah. (laughs) And And he's a good writer. Yeah, Yeah. he's a good writer. Check that out. All right, we got to talk about Prince Fielder's new show, which I didn't know about, and I don't think you knew about either. And if you're listening, you probably didn't you, know about this. You probably don't know about this either. I feel like we're in like the top 10% of baseball fans, <laughs> <laughs> and also in the top 30% of TV watchers. So if a show can't find us, if this show can't find us, who can it find? So Prince Fielder has a food show, and apparently this came out in July, like exclusively on Amazon, for Amazon Prime owners, and... I guess it recently resurfaced. There was a there was a Hardball Times piece where where Brian Reinhart, who is a food writer, um, basically reviewed the show. And so I went to go and find it, and it is wild, man. It's crazy. It's so it's like a half hour. The format is it's a half hour, and he's just going to different restaurants with his wife, and he brings like a famous friend of his. And so the half hour is just them talking, occasionally being interrupted by, like, food coming. And then when the food comes, they eat the food. And it's usually just like, hmm, yeah, that's good. 
<laughs> yeah, I like that. No, that one's really good. Let me try the other one. And then they change plates for like 15 seconds, and you're like, what am I watching? <laughs> Overall, having watched an episode, I give it an A+. Plus. Mostly, A+. Plus. Mostly because of uh, Prince Fielder. That's fair. So it's basically like the Bill Simmons podcast with food. Yeah, pretty much. Just a guy who's famous with his famous friends talking. Except it doesn't look like he's famous because the editing production on this is awful. Oh, my God. Yo, I'll do it. Let's do it. Yeah? Let's at Prince Fielder in this and be like, yo, we'll produce this. I'm down. Okay, I just want to play you the intro to this because it's worth noting that he never even introduces himself on the show. Like, he never Man, says he his name. he needs no introduction. Even in the first episode, he doesn't say why he's doing this or what is going on or really what the point of any of this is. It feels like this wasn't planned. It, it wasn't really planned. He looks really happy, so I'm happy for him, man. But check out this intro real quick. This is from the episode with Ken Griffey Jr. Hey, I'm Prince Fielder, and you're watching Fielder's Choice. Uh, wow. First reactions. I have not seen this before. I have not seen the intro. I didn't even know about this until, like, you texted me this at, like, 2.30 in the morning last yeah. night. Yeah, first thoughts? I want to know... <laughs> Many things, <laughs> really. I want to know why they think that people can just speed read the names of people. So, um, if you haven't watched it yet, you should go watch it right now. But basically, it's just an intro of everyone who is ever who has ever been on the show... And their name with their description just pops up underneath them for like two seconds. You know, at most. You know whose name is the shortest? Prince Fielder. First name on there, like maybe 0.4 seconds. You can't read it. You have no idea who the host of the show is. <clears throat> yeah, this is one of those shows where they're just betting that you're going in knowing who Prince Fielder is and why he would have the show and who everyone else is. But that's still stupid. Yeah. You could at least take the 30 seconds to make a better intro. And then it just then it's just transitions to a slideshow of things that are in Orlando. And it, it doesn't explain why. Is that where he lives? I guess. I didn't know that. <laughs> I know a lot about baseball. don't know where Prince Fielder spends his retirement. And this episode, it has Ken Griffey Jr. on there, who is looking husky, dad bod. Love oh, it. If there's, so I, I watched the whole Ken Griffey Jr. episode. He's just, it almost shatters my dreams of him because, like, for my entire life, he's been the kid. And now he's like the dad and he makes dad jokes and i'm like oh god damn it damn that's so true what is with this whole like tv show trend of like just sitting around and just talking i don't know i mean i i like it but it's just like it's like tv executives saw podcasts and they were like hey there's an idea we should make a video out of this Yeah, I mean, it's, like, interesting because he has on, like, CeCe Zabathia, and these are conversations I would love to just sit in on. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Prince Fielder and CeCe Zabathia just talking, but there's really nothing else to it. Like, you can tell that it's just, it's not really well planned out because, like, Ken Griffey Jr. will be in the middle of a story, and then they just bring the food, and that's (laughs) it. I was like, I really wanted to hear the end of that, but now they're just eating. He also, a- like, the audio quality from what I just listened to right there in, like, those first 30 seconds, there's, like, there's like echoes. You, like, hear, like, plates clanking against the table. Like, tell me why the audio quality of, like, a fictional docuseries like The Office is, like, 10 times higher <laughs> than this, like, actual reality show. What is this? What is this screen? It's just, like... <laughs> 
No, that's Photoshop. <laughs> that's just the basics of Photoshop. Ken Goofy Jr. actually has a funny story in here about uh, about Ricky Henderson and how he like played basketball against Ricky Henderson growing up. And so one time they were, I guess, like playing a game of pickup. And uh, and so Griffey says he made a basket and he jumped in his car and drove off. And to this day, I'm still upset about that. That he beat me and he was like, I beat you. So it's over. <laughs> Which is like the most Ricky Henderson story I think yep. I've ever heard. He's like, he's like, no, I win. There's no rematch. There's no nothing else. There's no arguing. I'm done. I'm leaving. <laughs> I'm surprised when he stole third and broke the record. He didn't just take the base and walk into the dugout and be like, I'm done. Pinch runner. <laughs> See y'all tomorrow. I retire. <laughs> All right, well, we highly recommend that you watch that show with yeah. Prince Fielder. I-, I wish him all the best in like his post-baseball endeavors because that was one of the saddest things. It broke my heart when he had to retire because of the neck issues. Yeah, that press conference was a tearjerker. It really was. So, you know, he's happy. He's living his best life. Uh, is it the best show I've ever seen? Maybe not. Is it the worst show I've ever seen? It's down there, but you know, I Prince Fielder really brings it up, so Listen, I'm, I'm happy. We could produce it. We could get him. In a, we could get him with some studio mics. We yeah. could. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, let's offer. All right, I'm down. Okay, let's, let's have him on. All right. Uh, when we come back, we have a couple fun things to talk about, um, including a listener question that we're going to get to. All right, Alex. Okay, Bobby. So, recently we got an email to tippingpitchespod at gmail.com. So, if you are listening to this and you're like, oh, I have a question that I want these clowns to answer, please don't hesitate to email us, tippingpitchespod at gmail.com. But anyway, Caleb emailed us a question that he had. So, I'm just going to read it off. It's First listener question. Yeah, this is kind of hype. Shout this out to Caleb. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for sending us this question, Caleb. Um, all right. I'm just going to read it off. It's kind of long, so bear with us. It says, recently I stumbled upon the One Red Paperclip website. I'm not going to read the link to the One Red Paperclip <laughs> website. <laughs> In case you're not familiar, it is a blog authored by Kyle McDonald explaining how over the course of a year, he traded his way from a red paperclip all the way up to a house in only 14 trades. Immediately, Jerry DePoto came to mind, <laughs> as he does. I could definitely see him attempting to go from a middling prospect to a J.D. Martinez or something crazy, especially now that his farm system is barren and they didn't get Otani. Do you think something of this nature would be possible in baseball, even if it took a couple seasons to really reap the benefits? Would other teams catch on and stop trading with you? What do you think is the biggest semi-realistic return that DePoto could get after 14 trades, starting with an average Mariners prospect, even if you have to throw in cash or an extra filler player here and there? First of all, really interesting question. Yeah, good question. I think it's cool that you come across basically the... uh, the Dwight K. Schrute method from that episode of The Office where they have the garage sale, where he just thinks that he could trade up all the way to whatever the most expensive thing is at the garage sale in one day, um, and you immediately think of Jerry DePoto. That's a creative mind. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, so actually answering the question, do you have thoughts first before I give mine? I mean, my first in- instinct is to say no, but also, <laughs> but also yes. Um <laughs> Like, yeah, in theory, you could trade up. I don't know about 14 moves or anything like that, because I don't think, like, at a certain point, you have to go somewhere. Like, 14 moves, there's, like, a lot of lateral moves that you're just making in there, and maybe that is something that you want to do, but I don't think it would take 14 moves to turn an average prospect into something better, like a good major league player. That said, you would need 
to add stuff in. Like, that's the only way this would work is there's pretty much no way, just especially with the way that players are valued today and how there's a whole group think in front offices of how you look at these types of players because so many of them are looking at them in the exact same way and valuing them the exact same way. It's so much harder to, like, get that edge and get that step up. So the only way to make this work is you say, okay, I'll trade you so-and-so and this other guy for your guy. And then you get this new player and say, okay, I'll trade you my new guy and this other player for so-and-so, right? Like, that's the only way you're really adding any tangible value. Otherwise, people are like, what? No, you just traded this guy for, like, a a low-level A prospect. I don't (laughs) know. Why am I doing this? Yeah. So, okay. So, my my immediate thoughts with the premise of the question is that if you're trading minor league players, chances are that you... Like the the success rate of minor league players is so low that there's no way for you to know if you're trading up. And I, in the question, he says like even if it took a couple seasons to really reap the benefits, I don't know if those 14 trades you would really be trading up or if you would just be trading for a different lottery number, right? Like at, at what point do you know whether you're getting more value per player? Because at a low league minor league player, which is what you're starting with in this theory, in this theoretical situation. If one low-level minor league player hits in three years, then you've basically hit the lottery, right? It hits and becomes a valuable major league player like J.D. Martinez. So I think it would almost be easier to tell how much of a return you could get if you started with a average major league player, but they would never do that. Like, GMs would never trade that frequently with major league players just because, for whatever reason... GMs get attached to their guys and coaches get attached to their guys. And I think that's because once you've been in the system of a team, then you know the routine, you know the trainers, you know kind of what their thoughts are. And I think not everyone has that Jerry DePoto think that we can just like switch out people. Um, So maybe that's not the most satisfying question, but I think my answer to that would be 14 trades later, the most you could get is like another lottery ticket. Yeah, I think that there's so many places for it to break down and go wrong. Like you were saying, like a prospect to just not pan out and then the chain is broken. Or all of a sudden the starting pitcher, you manage to get yourself an average starting pitcher out of this and he needs Tommy John, right? Like there's so many ways um, along the along the string that like it can just get totally messed up because baseball is so random when it comes to how these guys turn out at a certain point. So I will you- say though it would go through an interesting cycle. What you just said right there made me think it would go through an interesting cycle. I think if you started with an average like a hitter and then you packaged him together with like money for a pitcher and then you like rotated it. I almost think it would have to go like back and forth and you'd have to be trading with teams that valued like pitching higher than hitting which there are not a lot of teams left that do that so yeah that would actually be interesting how it would go alter i think it would alternate between packaging a pitcher and a bunch of hitters because i feel like you trade a pitcher for a few position player guys just because the ceiling i think is higher on a pitcher yeah i think at a certain point you would just start overthinking it and be like oh well i can get a little more marginal value if i trade for this guy and trade my new prospect away and get some guy who's like a slightly like i'm gonna trade my 78th ranked prospect for your 69th ranked prospect nice (laughs) and it's like okay they pretty much have the same chance of busting yeah so yeah i think it's it's an interesting idea but it's probably just overthinking it a little bit would be my response to that. Oh, I think also we underrate the fact that like only like the top 10 prospects in organizations matter on a general statistical level. I think like anyone underneath that has such a low chance of panning out to be like 
JD Martinez that like I said it, it or like you just said just now it's like you're basically just swapping very low odds <laughs> um at the end of the day but interesting question nonetheless like you could do it player GMs do it all the time right now but what they do is they tend to take that middling prospect and send also their top prospect and that's how they get JD Martinez yeah and they also many of them would just end up being money trades yeah like that's how they function now in the MLB yeah i don't think it would take 14 steps also, take. Jerry Depoto just doesn't care about people's lives. <laughs> he just <laughs> yeah. flips people. Uh, that's another thing about a trade situation like this is, you know, we're talking hypothetically because we're not talking about actual people. But I don't know. It's interesting. Let's try it. Let's do like a um, franchise mode on MLB The Show or something like that and see how much we can get back. I mean, it, it would be interesting. Although you can always win trades on that. So yeah. It would be interesting to look at. Like there are still players who are linked to the A's organization because, you know, six years ago they were traded for so-and-so and that person was traded for so-and-so and on and on and on until there's someone who's on the A's today, right? So I think that'd be interesting to look at how, you know, where those deals started and where they've end up, ended up. Um, because I'm sure you could find some that ended up a lot better than where they started, but a lot of that is just random. <clears throat> Although at what point... If you're throwing in other players in cash, at what point is the original player that you started with still the link, though? Well, exactly. Because then yeah. they can almost become, like you said, then you're throwing the minor prospect. That If you're on trade number six and you throw the minor prospect in with, like, your Evan Longoria trade, then it's like, okay, well, yeah. then it's, this yeah, it was, is not it wasn't really about the, the exercise. Yeah, real. this is not what the exercise was <laughs> yeah, for. Yeah. So I think almost you would have to set a rule where you can't add in new players. Like maybe you can add cash to make it be even, but you can't add in new players. You can only trade whatever haul of guys that you've gotten through those other trades. Another interesting question would be how many players, if you if you set that rule where you can't add new players from your organization from before, how many players you could have. Like, if you only started with one player and you traded him for two players and you traded those two players for three players and then three three for three and then three for five and then that yeah. kind of thing. I think that would be interesting. How many do you think you could get? Probably like six. Like starting with one player? Yeah. End up with six? <laughs> yeah. That would almost be worth it. Yeah. I mean, at, at that point, you could probably get a lot more because you could turn those six players into 12 half as good players, right? Like, yeah. Or like, what if you turned it into 12 two-thirds as good players? Oh, now you're capitalizing you on your yeah. value. That would be the move, is to try to flip <laughs> is to try to try flip that one player into two players and then two players into... But at that point, almost like Caleb said in his question, then people would start catching on to that's what you're trying to do, is just sell people for... Just flip people for as many guys as you possibly can, and then they'd be like, no, we're just going to give you one player. How about that? <laughs> All right, well, uh, interesting question. Yeah, if if y'all have more, please send them in to tippingpitchespod at gmail.com. <laughs> We're just gonna keep saying that in, or in, DM until, us on Twitter until more people send. It. Yeah, if you DM us on Twitter, we will see that first. But anyway, let's move on. Something that I brought up to you that I wanted to talk about on this episode was. There's been this recent trend, it's not actually that recent, but it's been talked about a lot more recently, of reporters just going to LeBron James with like a list of questions, just a litany of different things, and being like, what do you think about this? What do you think about X? You know, And it can be anything from immigration to girls' high school basketball, or like Ohio things, or like 
anything and they just expect LeBron to have like a prepared answer and to say something intelligent about it and he always does and it's amazing he's an incredible interviewer and he always gets very polished very intelligent and coherent answers I was wondering why baseball doesn't have even even a close facsimile of LeBron like why is there no baseball player where someone a reporter can come to and just ask like general interest baseball questions I mean I'm sure that happens from time to time but there's not one guy where they're like oh he's gonna have thoughts about x and he's actually gonna say them you know even if they do come out in a polished way they don't even bother asking so is there a guy who comes close in your mind and if not why do you think that is well so i'll i'll preface this by saying i think lebron is a bit of an anomaly in this case because he's not only like the biggest basketball star, but he's like one of the most famous athletes in the world. One of the most famous people in the world. Yeah, one of the most famous people in the world. And so I think that has something to do with it. That and basketball's really national nature and just the fact that like across the board, it's probably more popular than baseball, especially on a more national basis. That sort of news, I think, breaks through a lot more. As far as the closest baseball comparison, the closest one that I can think of is a guy like Adam Jones. I don't know if you were thinking of someone, but... Yeah, I was thinking of Adrian Beltre. Oh, okay. Not for his particular interviewing skills or anything like that. I mean, I I haven't watched a ton of interviews with him. I Just in terms of like being the baseball elder statesman that everyone agrees has earned his place, has gone through different generations of baseball and still been incredible and is well-liked by the majority of the league. Although I don't know if LeBron is well-liked by the majority (laughs) of the league. I know that he is well-liked by everyone in the press. Yeah, I think that... So the biggest issue to me, my response to this is, I guess, kind of twofold. I mean, part of it is like that regional aspect that like baseball is just a much more regional sport and you are more likely to just care about your own team and kind of ignore the rest of the league. Like if I'm a Twins fan, I don't really care what this Diamondbacks player just had to say, like whatever, it doesn't affect me. But I think the bigger thing is that baseball players know their audience and they know that their audience is probably older and wider and maybe a little more conservative and they know they're going to get backlash. When Dexter Fowler came out and spoke out against Trump's immigration ban, he was immediately hit with like a bajillion stick to sports comments, many of which were like, you know, you're the property of the Cardinals, sit down and shut up. And so Yikes. and so I think baseball players see that sort of thing and they're like I'm not going to put myself out there like that. And the other aspect of that is you look at the sport itself and like the makeup of it, the racial makeup and the class makeup. And a lot of these guys are white and they come from families that are more well off just because that's what you have to do to play baseball a lot of the time. And so I think the people who have been directed effectively by more of these issues just become the minority. And so you have to really seek out their voices, if, if that makes sense. And I think that's why baseball media doesn't really go to them a lot of the time because, you know, they're the only guy in the locker room or whatever. And they're like, I'm not really going to speak out and, yeah. and, and turn the attention on to myself. I think that makes sense why you wouldn't hear like, what do you think about Trump's shithole comments? Right. But I, I, I don't know why baseball players aren't allowed to be interesting about things that didn't happen in the game. Like, why can they not be asked? So, for example, there was a few weeks ago where 
I think a girl in high school or college basketball, she had a quadruple double, which is like extremely rare at any level. And they came up to LeBron and it was like the day after it happened. And the Cavs had had a game the night before and they had a game that night. And they said to LeBron, you know, what do you think of so-and-so having a quadruple double in this basketball game? And he knew about it. He knew what to say. He, he had a comment about how, you know, that's incredible at any level, whether it's, you know, us here in the league or like middle school basketball, like that doesn't happen a lot. And I feel like if you came to Adrian Beltre or Adam Jones and you said, what do you think about this thing that happened in high school basketball? Like he went, if some dude went six for six with six home runs, no, I don't, I don't know if they would know about that. And I don't even know if a reporter would even care what they had to say about that. But I think we're missing a little bit. We don't ask these guys to be you know, we want baseball to be more interesting, but then we don't want the players to be interesting. So how, that doesn't make sense. The players are the game. Well, I think that some players are interesting, but I do agree with you that like the vast majority of them are just really boring. Like <laughs> like 95% of the time, white dudes really don't have anything interesting to add to the conversation. So like I'm not really going to ask him about it, right? Um and so and I think you know maybe Adam Jones would have an interesting answer but it also has to do I think with that national appeal and and the way that like baseball players just don't break through on that level like LeBron if he says something about Trump or whatever is going on you know it's going to be on ESPN that night at some point if if like Adam Jones or Adrian Beltre says something goofy or serious about some high school baseball game that played, it's going to be like in the morning write up from the beat reporter. And like, <laughs> that's probably it. That's where it's going to begin and end. Yeah. I think that's a good point that it is a lot more regional. And whereas like the NBA kind of revolves around its stars, I think the MLB more revolves around its teams and like the markets. That's a good point. Although. I gotta say, like, I wish that there was a baseball version of this. I think it would be a lot more interesting. Absolutely. And I just don't know why, like, baseball breaks through on social media in such a team-specific way. And when I'm on, when I'm following the NBA on my Twitter or whatever, like, yes, I do see homers and stuff, and I follow beat reporters, and I, my friends are fans of the Sixers, so I see a lot of Sixers news. I have a lot of friends who are Celtics fans, so I see a lot of Celtics news. But also, like, they are willing to talk about other teams other players they care about the success of donovan mitchell who i don't know a single utah jazz fan so i don't know i wish that it was i wish that we could find a way and that the league could find a way to l- allow some of the more interesting players to really be interesting you know like like a javi baez or like a francisco lindor let's put them at a table with Prince Fielder and have them talk about like whatever they want to talk about. You I, would, know? I would watch that for hours. I would watch an entire show based around that. Concept. But I'm not sure that like other fans would. I'm not sure that like reporters would even ask, care to ask about something like that. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. It's just the game. I don't know. It's just the game has become kind of robotic. Yeah, and I do think that. Part of it has to do with the audience too, right? And knowing that a lot of baseball's audience like really just doesn't care that much because it is older and it is more conservative. We've talked about how baseball is more conservative. And so a lot of times it's like, I guarantee you that like 90, 90% of the stick, to, the stick to sports crowd is like baseball fans. Yeah. Of people who are just like, don't talk, like, I don't want to hear you speak. I want to watch you play. Yeah. And, like, that's it. And Baseball that's, and that's what you're here to do, right? Yeah. So that's, like, just really, I think, one of the fatal flaws is the there's not really a market for it. 
sadly. Even though, like, I think even of, though in theory there is, right? There are I, plenty of people who would watch When that. I think of things that made, in my, in my time since I came to NYU, when I think of things that made NBA Twitter blow up, I think of the Kyrie Irving flat earth conspiracy. I think of... Matt Barnes driving two hours to try to fight Derek Fisher. I think of I think of every single one of LeBron's passive aggressive Instagrams. <laughs> yes, exactly. The the Arthur Fist. Yes. All that stuff. Okay. I think that is more interesting for a younger audience, for the eighteen to thirty five demographic or whatever that every league, every channel, all this stuff wants. I think that is way more interesting to think back on than when I think baseball twitter blew up during the world series and then it's like it everything it blows up about is like strictly on field yes or like a transaction and that's <laughs> it like obviously nba twitter blew up over the the kyrie isaiah thomas trade okay but but it blows up about so much more yeah exactly it's, it's, it's just, just it's a that. much more it's a it's a much more constant flow i think and baseball it's like maybe my twitter will blow up during the mets game if something crazy happens but other than that it's like no nah, not really baseball twitter is just like kind of nihilist yeah. and sad well it it almost makes me think of something that fernando perez was talking about where he was mentioning the coach that thought he was soft. And so he came in to try to like bust his chops and wanted to make him crack, basically wanted to get him angry. And I think baseball in particular is a really like head down. Um, you do your job, you get out to the field, you do your thing and you go home and you don't say another word about it. Like I think that that mentality is super prevalent in this sport, arguably more so than other sports, in part because it's so specialized. And a lot of the skills take so much time to hone. And so the whole attitude about it is like you just work hard and you go, you know, it's this larger conversation around like the culture of baseball that we've talked about, right? And should you flip the bat or should you put your head down and run to first? And a lot of these guys have just been conditioned to just be like after the game, you give the boilerplate answer and you'd be like, yeah, well, we played hard, but you know, I just loved rounding third and watching my teammates cheer. That was the best feeling in the world. And I was like, yeah, great, dude. Same. Sometimes the ball doesn't bounce your way. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really proud of the guys. <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. Um, that's a shame, though, because baseball is so weird and so fun. And if more people, fans, you know, I think players would like to embrace some of these things, especially some of the younger players. I just think that they're conditioned not to by fans not caring about them. And I think if fans would appreciate Joey Votto stomping on a, air, a paper airplane that comes onto the field or getting a donkey for Zach Cozart. I think if more people cared about things like that, not only would it be more interesting to watch, but we would have way more listeners. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's the real thing right there. This is all just an elaborate ploy to say, we should have more listeners. <laughs> MLB, you need to promote these guys better and then promote our podcast because they go hand in hand. Facts. Yeah. All right. Um, well, when we come back, something that we've been waiting so, so so long so for. long for makes the off season all work. I'll stop the world and melt with you. You've seen the difference and it's getting better all the time. There's nothing you and I won't do. I'll stop the world and melt with you. Our man is back. He has made the return to the podcast. The patron saint of the podcast. The one and only. <laughs> Timothy Richard yes, Tebow. Yes, our guy. <laughs> Insert cheer track here. <laughs> oh, I will. <laughs> um, yeah. 
Tim Tebow is back, ladies and gentlemen. He's back in the headlines with the news that the Mets have invited him to spring training. And not just spring training, but major league camp, which means he's going to be facing major league pitchers. I got the blessed double Tebow notification. Mm-hmm. I actually think maybe I got the triple Tebow notification. The Ooh, triple you Tebow. Got the, is, you got the triple Tebow? <laughs> triple Tebow. <laughs> it came from, yeah, I think I got one from Yahoo Sports and two from MLB.com. Wow. Which is hashtag rare. Yeah, hashtag. <laughs> you stay know blessed. this offseason slow. If you not, get your, <laughs> not only am I getting the triple Tebow, we got new Drake last night. Oh wow! Oh my God, it's blessed. It's a good day. Yeah, it's a it's a freaking fantastic day. Okay, yeah. tell me what's up. So he's gonna be in spring training. What else? What's the plan for him this year? Uh, I don't know. Let's get better. That's about <laughs> it, actually. He's just coming to spring training. That's our news for you. Um, if you're a longtime listener, you know that we have the the Tim Tebow power minutes at the, <laughs> at the end of every episode during the season we we track his progress throughout the week and so we have talked that his 2017 season actually went i think a lot better than either of us expected <laughs> he hit like 225 with eight home runs every home run was an absolute joy so really, <laughs> like a, <laughs> the fact that we're gonna get it was watch, like water to wine every single really time was. like espn was like oh my god <laughs> It really was incredible. So the fact that we'll get to see him in a Mets uniform facing, I don't know, Steven Strasburg? Sure. I'm into it. Yeah. That'll be fun. I don't think that's going to happen, though. I doubt Strasburg will really pitch enough for Tebow to get some ABs against him. I really don't think so, unless Tebow's leading off starting every game. I I could see it. He's got got five tools. (laughs) There was a New York Post article from a couple months ago that I just want to read you a couple quotes from because just these are... Maybe the least substantial answers to any question you will ever get. There's no substance to them whatsoever, but, you know, they provide a little insight or lack thereof into Tim Tebow's mind space. So he says, with regards to, like, how he's working on his skills, he says, it's not just being able to do it. It's being able to do it as fast as possible. (laughs) And that's how you make the jump to the next level. Wow. Whoa. That's how you make the jump. It's like you get better every time. You know, I think Tebow could be the LeBron of baseball. Yo, listen to the. Oh <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> Wait, give me a sec. I feel like he's expected to have an answer ready for a lot of political issues because he's like he's like the right wing conservative icon of, and he's like still well liked by everyone. Like we actually care about him, but he <laughs> does not align with us politically. No. Um. Yeah, that's actually I forgot to mention this in the uh, our other conversation, but like. If the MLB does have that type of ambassador, he's going to be a right winger. Like, he very much is. Just, it's going to happen. I'm sorry. Um, (laughs) This other quote from Tebow. Listen to this. Tell me what you get out of this. You look at what you need to work on, and it's working on those things. (laughs) (laughs) This is a parody. (laughs) So, when I wake up, I look at the things that I need to do, and then throughout the day, I do them. Yeah. I'm like, I need to do this homework, so the homework is Gets what I done. need to do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I'm glad he's back, man. It's been a long, cold winter without him. It has been. Yeah. But uh, we were worried. Like, only one episode ago, you had a take that was like, this might be the year that Tim Tebow hangs him up. He's back and strong as ever. So he looked at what he had to do, and it sounds like he might have done it. Yeah. He he looked at it, and he was like, I'm going to do it. And so he went and did it. <laughs> He said, don't focus on the end result. Don't focus on where you are right now. Focus on this is what I've got to do to get better. <laughs> what does that mean? 
<laughs> don't focus on the end result or where you are right now. So what are we looking at? Don't focus on anything. <laughs> don't close your eyes. Past, future, past, future, present, it's all gone. Nothing. Nothing exists. Everything is nothing, and all you're doing is just trying to get better. And so what I'm going to do is get better. If nobody's anybody, then somebody can be everybody. There you go. I didn't really think about it. Was Tim Tebow a founding member of the Beatles? (laughs) Oh, God. I've missed him. Me too. Yeah, it's good. It feels right. All right. um, That's just about enough. I I like how you said the Tim Tebow power minutes. I wonder (laughs) if we've done enough Tim Tebow power sections (laughs) to make a full hour. hour. We probably have, honestly. (laughs) We should release that in the feed next. We should splice that all together. Just... (laughs) All of us talking about Tim Tebow. It would be a very disturbing rendition of us professing our love for him and me saying that he looks pretty good in a tight jersey. His <laughs> rippling muscles. <laughs> Remember when we talked about him uh, talking to the grandma or yeah, something like that? Yeah. What a sweet boy. I know, he is a sweet boy. We mostly say the same thing every time. We're like, well, he's doing a lot better than we thought he was doing, so <laughs> we're here for it. He's defying the odds. He looked at the odds, and then he said, these are my odds. I've got to do it. I've got to defy them. <laughs> and he went out and defied them. And I have so much respect for that. Well, we hope that uh, hearing a listener question inspires you to send in some more. Um, and we hope that you enjoyed this episode so that potentially if you are listening for the first time or you haven't gone and subscribed yet, you will do that in the iTunes store and potentially rate and review us. We appreciate those always. We got a, a couple of new rates and reviews and we are thankful for those. So if you were one of those people, we appreciate it and we will continue to bring you all of the Tim Tebow news that you need in 2018. Absolutely. And tell your friends, too, because we all need a little more Timmy T in our life. (laughs) Yes. If you're listening this late in the podcast and you haven't shared this with a friend, I'm honestly disappointed in you. (laughs) (laughs) All right, y'all. Thanks so much for tuning in. We will see you next time. Yeah. Thanks, y'all.